If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, here we go. We are back at it on this Monday morning, middle of January, heading quickly to the Democratic primary season, which we'll possibly talk about a little bit later in today's program. But I want to start today by talking about it, Ron. Also should start by mentioning off the top that we are back on Facebook Live. Yes, yes, I've got a face for radio, but... You can see that face for radio on Facebook by going to Todd Huff, well, excuse me, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. You can also, as always, email me with your questions, thoughts, opinions, your adoring praises, whatever it is that you feel like you need to, to send me. We welcome those to the program, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. And um, yeah, we're on Facebook. That was down last week. There's some There's some things happening as we ramp up for hour two. Um, which we are quickly getting ready for. Um, we here in the next couple of weeks, and there's there's just a, a few technical things. I figured there were some things we were gonna have to 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 work through and adjust and so forth. But pretty close to getting those all worked out. I will update you on an on an exact uh, date here in the not too distant future. But anyway, I want to start. I want to go back to this discussion, kind of that we ended last week on. I want to talk about Iran. Iran has now admitted to shooting down the Ukrainian Airlines passenger plane over Tehran, actually as it took off from Tehran, in the wake of their missile strike on bases in Iraq that housed U.S. military personnel. They have now admitted this. You remember, now we're going to back up a little bit. I don't want to go through everything again, but I want to go through a couple of things here that I do think are important. Number one, well, when I say the year, you're going to think, gee whiz, Todd, don't go back that far. But I'm going to say the year 1979, and that is the year that the Iranian Revolution took place. That is the year that Iran went from a... uh, Look at pictures. In fact, maybe I'll I'll post some of these uh, on on Facebook. But just look at pictures of Iran in the 1970s. You can look at some of the things that women were allowed. Yes, that's right, allowed to wear in comparison to the regime today. We have to talk in terms of what women were allowed to wear, what they were allowed to do, who they were allowed to be, what they were allowed to drive, and so forth. 
This is not, by the way, done to women by the constitutional conservative ideology that, that I maintain. This is, this is a big government leftist ideology, this Iranian, excuse me, Islamic Republic of, of Iran. And so prior to the days of that, they were much freer people. Then 1979 came along, the Ayatollahs took over, and it's been a, well, candidly, a proverbial hellhole since then in the sense of how the government treats its people. This is not directed at the people. The people of Iran are a beautiful, tremendous people that are just simply not allowed to be themselves because of their maniacal, out-of-control, power-hungry government. And so from that point in time, of course, the U.S. didn't want to see the Ayatollahs come to power, and we tried to interfere with that. But since that point in time, they've effectively been, to some degree, at least in their minds, at war with the United States. And they fought this war through a variety of, of ways, often involving terrorist organizations. And there's been certain presidents, namely Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump, who have fought this, who have dealt with these folks in a direct manner. There have been others, like our previous president, Barack Obama, who thought that pinky promises and signed pieces of paper as well as $150 billion in assets, $1.5 billion in cash going to Iran on pallets would help out with the situation. That, of course, has only fueled this, which I want to talk about that too. I want to talk about John Kerry out there trying to change the narrative that Trump has set in place, which says, look, the money that the Obama administration has given – has given to the Iranians through the stupid Iran nuclear deal, is in fact being used, surprisingly, shockingly, to fund these terrorist activities. I'm going to put that on pause. We'll get to that as we go through all of the, the details here. But nonetheless, so this is, this is the environment that we've had. This is, this is not a new thing. This was not created by Trump. This is something that has been percolating at times not just percolating below the surface. This has been in your face, right? When they shot down our drones, when they've taken sailors hostage, when they've acted provocatively in other ways, when they chant death to America, when they promise to wipe Israel off the face of the planet, all these sorts of things have been happening. These things do not exist in a vacuum. So Trump says, I know what's been going on. This was prior to his striking General Soleimani, Soleimani, and he says, enough of this. Enough of you getting away with these sorts of activities. This sort of thing should have been done a long, long time ago. I know where Soleimani is. We see what he's been doing recently. We see what he's been doing over the course of time. We see what his intentions are moving forward. This is not a good guy. This is a guy that's funding, organizing arming whatever the case you you know maybe all these details he is he's involved in all sorts of nefarious activities with terrorist organizations he is effectively the government's liaison between terrorist organizations and the Islamic Republic of Iran 
right? And so Trump says he's in Baghdad. They just uh, they just uh, attacked our Baghdad embassy. We think he's planning to do other things. This is not a good guy. He's got a an incredible, incredibly terrible record when it comes to his involvement with terrorism. And Trump strikes him. This, of course, causes people to go ballistic, metaphorically, tongue-in-cheek there. It's not a slip of the tongue, I guess. Ballistic, as they respond. Iran responds by firing ballistic missiles at U.S. forces in Iraq. Now, I happen to believe that this was intended to be symbolic in nature. This was not intended to, um, to kill soldiers. I think that they knew that we would detect the strike give our folks time to take refuge. I'm not minimizing this, by the way. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not a pleasant thing to be a part of if you're on one of those bases and you have to seek refuge from strikes that's happening on your particular military base. So I'm not blowing this, you know, just brushing this off as as though it's no big deal. But I think that they made a strategic decision where they said, we have to do something, right? We're dealing with a, a very insecure type of government here. We're dealing with folks that know one way to deal with people and that's by force. And we're and we're looking with uh, looking at a government that knows that they have to stand up at least figuratively, at least in some sort of symbolic way to the United States of America. And so they knew if they did nothing, they would lose some legitimacy. Folks would criticize them for that. So they did something. And that something was was largely intended to be symbolic. And I'll I'll add this because President Donald Trump's in the White House. Because they knew that if they did kill U.S. soldiers, U.S. military personnel, that there would be serious consequences for this. And so they did what they did. And then then they did then they did what began they they, they set into action the series of things that caused this jetliner to be shot down. And what did that include? That included, A, not clearing their airspace. Think about this. You know, in when the Palestinians strike the Israelis, you see this happening from time to time. Sometimes there's, there's escalations and violence, and you'll see, you'll see that they strike. And what they do is, oftentimes, they strike from places that they dare the Israelis to strike back. So they'll go inside of a school, they'll go inside of a place of of worship, and they'll dare the Israelis to strike there. Because they want, this is sick, twisted, maniacal sort of leadership of these groups, they want that to be plastered on the front page of all sorts of news sites around the world. Newspapers, news sites, television news reports, they want there to be pictures of Israeli soldiers raiding a school. They want there to be missiles having to be fired at schools or hospitals or places of worship so that they can use those images, use those images to show the world that the Israelis are just terrible individuals. Of course, they leave out the fact that they're, the reason these places are being struck is because that's where they're operating out of. That's where they're firing their missiles from. That's where they're you know, planning their operations from. They're daring you to strike back. They understand They understand the media. They understand how to get that visual, uh, symbolic message out there. Same sort of thing happened in, Ira- in, excuse me, in Iran 
after they fired their missiles. They were on high alert because they they didn't know what Trump was going to do. They knew something bad would happen if they killed U.S. soldiers. Of course, in the immediate aftermath, they didn't know what had happened. Right. In fact, they were reporting 80 soldiers, 80 uh, U.S. military personnel had been killed by their missile strikes. That turns out to be false. So instead, instead, they fire the missiles. They put themselves on high alert. They know that they can't detect our technology. They know that they can't stop us, but they're going to try their best. And so they're on high alert. They don't clear their airspace. Why? This goes back to the analogy comparison I was making with the Palestinians striking the Israelis from schools, from hospitals, from religious sites, because they dare you to do something back. And so what they were really trying to do was to create a blanket of security using human shields. And those 176 people on board that flight were used, make no mistake about it. They were viewed by the Iranians as collateral damage. They didn't seek this out, but they thought this will prevent the United States. This this will at least make it harder for the United States to strike us. If we have open airspace, if if we're still sending up commercial aircraft out of Tehran, we at least have some something else blocking them from maybe doing a full-scale response operation, what have you. And so this was created by a series of intentional decisions by the Iranians that was based in their pride, in their ego, in their maniacal way of thinking. And as a result today, we have 176 dead folks, and we talked about this part on Friday. But now they're admitting to shooting it down. Before, they, they denied it. Remember, they, they said that this plane had mechanical problems. I mean, this is faster than any any report I've ever seen. My son and I watched some of these. Uh, my son wants to be a pilot, and so we, we, we watch some of these things on aircraft, and occasionally you know, we watch these uh, shows where there's airline problems and crashes and It takes months, if not years, for some of these things. The Iranian government knew in about 15 seconds that it was a mechanical problem. In fact, they said, we're not even going to let anyone else see or hear or look at the data from the uh, cockpit voice recorder or from the flight data recorder. We're going to just take care of that ourselves. Nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. But now they've since admitted, they've since admitted to shooting down this plane And as a result of this, and this is where I want to pick up after the break, I've got to take one here. The people have begun at least protesting, possibly revolting, calling the Ayatollahs liars. They're saying death to the dictators and death to the liars. Uh, Death to the liars, I should say. We'll pick up here when we get back, but I've got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, I should mention that this program is brought to you by Scott Smith Realty, Keller Williams, Indianapolis's South Side. They will help sell your home, and if they can't sell your home, in the highly unlikely event that they can't help you do that, they will actually buy it from you. That's right. You heard me correctly. So they take away that guesswork. So if you're looking to sell your home, consider the folks at Scott Smith Realty. Realty. You can find out more information by visiting scottsmithteam.com. That's scottsmithteam.com, part of the Keller Williams family of realtors. So 
I want to go back to this discussion on Iran. I want to talk about well, where we stopped, I guess, is is that the people are now revolting. Well, I should say they're they're uh, they're protesting, right? They're saying, well, it's pretty serious protest. They're chanting death to dictators, death to the liars about their own about their own government. It sounds like a you know one of the peaceful protests. You'll see some of the radical radical left put together here in the United States, maybe. Uh, Antifa, some group like that, but chanting death to the dictators, death to the liars. In fact, it's gotten so intense, it's gotten so intense over there that even uh, the, what, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, General, I think it's General Hassan, not to be, excuse me, what's his, I, his name's not in front of me, I don't think it's Hassan, I gotta pull this up, but it's close to Soleimani, I remember, because I remember thinking, don't confuse these two. Make sure folks are separating these two. Because Soleimani, of course, has been killed for his involvement in trying to terrorize and destroy the lives of military personnel of the United States of America. Also, other, I mean, by extension, other Americans as well. These folks, these fi- these folks are fighting proxy wars. They're using terrorist organizations to to do their evil acts, to carry those evil acts out. But Anyway, so you have the protests in Iran. You have the Iranian Revolutionary Guard actually apologizing, apologizing to the nation. This is basically unheard of. They're apologizing. People are upset. Then you have Trump tweeting out to the Iranians in Farsi, in their native tongue. This, of course... See, this to me is brilliant. This this is great because our problem is not with the Iranian people. I mentioned this off the top. Our problem is with the type of government. Our problem is with – okay, so th- there's layers to this, right? The Iranian government it has been an evil regime since its beginning. It does not acknowledge that humans, that people, men and women, are created to be free. They view them as, um, I guess, assets to be controlled, right? These are folks that belong to the state. They have rules. These dictators, these ayatollahs know better than everyone else. They know what's moral and just and right, and they will declare from on high what those prescribed activities are for the people, taking away people's individual rights, freedoms, choices, This, by the way, is the antithesis of what it means to be American. This is the antithesis, I would maintain, of the way that God intended life to be lived this side of heaven. This is not a good thing. This is evil, folks. This is evil in all forms. Now, that in and of itself doesn't necessarily – the United States can't be the police of the world. So I'm not saying that that justifies any actions that we've taken against Soleimani, but that's not the rationale given. But these things are complementary. You see, governments that control the people the, the way that the Iranian government does, these governments, what happens is you basically effectively, metaphorically, very, very highly symbolically here, you, you kind of beat the life out of your people. You take the zeal for life away. You take away ambition. You... You really make it difficult for them to to live the life that they want to live, and as a result, as a result, they're they're fearful. They work in opposition against you secretively, because of course they know if they're caught, they will be tortured, 
killed, beaten, all these sorts of things. We've already heard reports, by the way, of these protests. Uh, There's been firing of tear gas. There's been people that have been beaten. Um, Even reports of live ammunition being fired to dispel the crowds protesting in Tehran and even elsewhere now, outside of Tehran as I understand it. Of course, that's another thing. Getting information is nearly impossible out of Iran because they have the state-controlled media. It's not uncommon or unheard of for them to shut down the internet, do stuff like that, ban certain websites, and make it make it difficult for people to communicate, share information, and actually uh, help us to understand what's happening there. But we know. At the same time, we also know what we're dealing with. So in addition to this government being out of control, a government of, of control and force, they're out of control in one sense because of the amount of control and another sense they want to exert on the average everyday citizen's life in the Islamic Republic of Iran. And so it's not so, – so they have to – left to their own devices, they can't really thrive and survive. And again, this is not because of the people. This is, this is where I think this debate gets stupid. It's not because of the people. It's not because of uh, – it's not because of their identity their religion, race. Uh, It's because of ideas. Whatever ideas that they enact, whatever ideas that they enact, and if they enact ideas that they say uh, are in in their religion, as these extremists do, right, giving them the authority to control people in their particular country, that's terrible. That's deplorable. That's wicked. And so they almost have to be an aggressive nation because they're, they're, it, it's like North Korea. There's not enough production to really provide for the people, and at some point, the leaders are be, uh, being held accountable. So they try to make their people paranoid, making them think that they're constantly being targeted by places like the United States of America, talking about how our ideas and our concepts and our philosophies and worldviews are dangerous to to them when in reality what's dangerous to them are the leaders that are telling them these things and so these there's also there's a form of aggression these these leaders feel threatened oftentimes these governments need to expand communism always needs this they need to expand and, and take in more territory for more production and after some period of time the people that they captured the people that they have beaten into submission the new folks through their expansion, those folks become less productive as well, and they need to expand more and more. Similar sorts of things here, but a lot of this is simply defensive mechanisms, right? They know know that the United States is diametrically opposed, at least in its current state, right? I mean, we we have leaders out there that seem to be saying the same sorts of things, the same sorts of things, at least portraying these circumstances in the same way, the radical left does, some of them, the same way the Islamic Republic of Iran does. We'll get to that maybe in a bit as well. Anyhow, so you've got this, this tension, and so they begin to strike out at us, lash out at us. They see us as a threat. They see us as the great Satan. We are not just ideologically opposed to them. We are actually, we are actually in their extremist worldviews and religious worldviews that – there we're actually um, it, it's appropriate for them to actually kill people in extreme circumstances, right? I mean, there's there's folks that believe these things. They believe that 
what prevents them from expanding their empire and taking uh, and, and reestablishing the Iranian caliphate as the United States of America is Israel, who, of course, is the lesser Satan, the little Satan. And so this becomes the point at which there becomes tensions between the United States of America and Iran. And then you look at the activities they're engaged in, the lives that they're taking through their proxy wars, through their involvement in the military con- uh, conflicts in the Middle East, and it becomes obvious what has to happen. You can't just talk these you – can't, you can't give them $150 billion and assume that everything is going to be just absolutely peachy. These folks are on a, on a mission. In fact, the Ayatollahs believe that they're on a mission from Allah – to do what they're doing, and folks, they have to be, uh, they have to be defeated, and ultimately the people, which this is what I'm hoping for in this, uh, in these revolts, the people have to actually stand up and call and, and and reclaim control of their lives. Of course, some of these folks have been had their entire lives under this heavy-handed maniacal regime. <clears throat> so this is a point in time. I actually think. It's time for me to take a break here, as Oz has indicated. But I actually think throughout the history of the Islamic Republic of Iran, there's not been a better time. There's not been a time where it's more likely, and I'm not saying it's probable at this point, just to say that it's more likely for the people of Iran, because of the support of this nation through President Trump, because of the the energy in, in Iran and Tehran against their leaders. I mean, when they're chanting these things, they know that there's consequences for this, right? These folks are upset. Actually, I've, I've heard. I don't know if this is 100 percent true, but I've heard this. I know. I know that they're. If it's not the fastest growing, I know it's amongst the the most fastest growing churches in the world. Are is in Iran. So you've got you've got a movement. You've got a movement of, of the, the, the Christian faith. You've got a movement of people wanting to be removed from this heavy-handed government. You have folks who maybe often support the government who are now protesting it, saying that what they did with this airliner was completely inexcusable. They killed their own citizens, including Canadian citizens, all because, ultimately, all because of their out-of-control, overinflated, self-important egos. That's what this comes down to, folks, and this is evil, and it's being exposed for what it is. Now, it's being exposed in rational circles, even in circles inside the Islamic Republic of Iran, but there's still circles here in the United States that this logic seems to miss completely, and those circles seem to be the radical leftist circles. I want to talk about some of those two things when we get back. John Kerry's complaining about the funds, which we touched on briefly. I want to get more into that uh, from the Iran deal possibly being used to fund these activities, and I want to talk a little bit about Pete Buttigieg and others who have blamed not the Ayatollahs for shooting down the plane. No, no, no. This was an extension. This was a, uh, I guess you could say, a consequence of Trump striking Soleimani. I can't, I can't figure out how people come to this, these conclusions, other than they just, I don't know. It, it's, it's political fuel for their base. It's, uh, th- they have such a disdain for this country they don't like our power they don't like that we're in the moral right on positions so to speak anyway we'll break these things down when we return but i've got to take a break you're listening to the home of conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute
Welcome back. Sorry, doing something. Actually, posting something to Facebook. Posting something to Facebook during the break, which I do sometimes against against my better wishes. Look, I like connecting with you on Facebook, but Facebook, I, I have no personal interest in Facebook. I'm not a guy that goes on there and looks at a bunch of stuff and what I just, I don't know, I'm too busy. I don't have an interest. I actually like connecting with folks personally or even through this program. I'd so much uh, prefer getting emails and having to to look at stuff on Facebook, but I do it because I like, of course, uh, sharing stuff with you and it's a tool, but it's, it's not my primary tool. How about that? It's not the one that I prefer to use first and foremost. I'm going to get back to this. So we've got, we've got all this stuff happening. We've got John Kerry, got good old John Kerry. Remember he's, oh, pause too. The general that I couldn't remember his name of the Revolutionary Guard. He's the commander in chief of the Revolutionary Guard in Iran, General Hossein Salami. I think I was saying General Hussein, but it's General Hossein Salami, S-A-L-A-M-I. He's the one that issued the apology um, for downing the airliner, not to be confused with General Soleimani, who was the general that we that we took out because of his direct involvement with the death and killing of military personnel, attacks on embassies, plannings, intentions for other attacks and so forth but that's what that's out there as well folks are out there saying well there's not in fact the uh, secretary of defense is out there saying that there's not a you know specific threat and of course the the media is running with this saying well then why did we strike Soleimani it, it's funny to me I mean we, we've got proof of his prior attacks recent prior attacks we know why he's in Iraq and they're saying, what proof did you have that he that the next attack was imminent? What do you mean imminent? It's ongoing. It's ongoing what this guy was doing. It's just preposterous to me. The, the folks who cannot see that there is evil in this world and it is not under the flag of the United States of America, it, it just – it blows my mind. It blows my mind that this is, this is the point at which we've gotten, gotten ourselves. In fact – in fact, if you listen, if you listen to some of the responses from the Iranians, which I heard one of their, it might have been this uh, General Salami, which that's his name, by the way. I'm not making that up. General Salami, it might have been him. But it was another, if it wasn't him, it was someone else who actually blamed us, blamed us for the downing of the U.S., or excuse me, the, the Ukrainian airliner. And as a result, as I shouldn't say as a result, you could also compare that to some of the things that folks like, Pete Buttigieg had been saying, Representative Jackie, uh, what's her last name, from California, drawing a blank. But representatives in the House in the House are saying that this was collateral damage. Trump's the one that caused this. Only can a radical leftist or someone who hates America believe. Just the, the logic of this is so messed up. You have a general, you have a country that's funding proxy wars and terrorism, that's killing United States military personnel, attacking embassies, obviously planning to do more. Keep in mind they've shot down drones. They've taken U.S. sailors captive. They've harassed and done damage to ships in the Strait of Hormuz. This is an ongoing problem. This is not a new thing. And suddenly, suddenly they want, they want to blame the United States of America and Trump for taking out the guy that's leading and doing all these things. Blame Trump. Well, if he didn't strike Soleimani, they wouldn't have felt the need to respond and shoot ballistic missiles. That's just patently false. D 
these folks have decided, the Iranian leaders have decided people are going to die. It's up to us to say it's not going to be U.S. military personnel or U.S. citizens or our allies. If someone's going to die because of your activities, it's going to be those of you that are trying to inflict the damage, cause the, the mayhem, the havoc, the terrorism, the death, the destruction in your region of the world. If someone is going to die, Iranian leaders, may you be put on notice that this, if this is what you're going to do, if you've decided that you're going to kill somebody, we are going to do what we can to make sure that that doesn't happen to anyone else. And if the, and if the only way to stop it is to take you out, we are prepared to do that. That should, that's the message. That's the message. And how in the world that's Trump's fault? Even if you are dyed in the wool, Trump-hating leftist, I still cannot for the life of me. And I understand politically speaking and people's motivations, but just logically, it's not a, it's not a valid position to hold. It's really um, – it's either, it's either blinded by hate or just completely naive. Either way, I have to take a break. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. More on this. I got so much more on this stuff, but we'll get to as much as we can before the end of the the program to hear moving the two hours soon, so we'll be able to cover more. But I've got to take a break here. You're listening to conservative, not bitter talk. Where listening can, in fact, cause you to lean to the right. So be advised that you should be careful out there driving vehicles, operating heavy machinery here this morning. Be back in just a minute. So I referenced, let's see, uh, Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg, I kind of want to, I don't want to uh, completely leave the discussion on Iran here, but I want to move into the 2020 Democrat primary. We are three weeks, folks, one, two, three weeks from the Iowa caucuses. And then after that, in short order, we'll have the New Hampshire primary, the Nevada caucus, or as Trump says, the correct way to say it is Nevada, 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 and then we've got South Carolina, and then Super Tuesday. And Super Tuesday is when Bloomberg's supposed to jump in. He's not even going to be participating in these early states, so we got a lot to discuss when it comes to the political landscape. But I want to look specifically here at what Buttigieg is. Let me see if I can find this thing. Got so many things pulled up here. Here we go. Newsweek article. Um, talking about Trump. Let's see. The headline is Trump responds to Pete Buttigieg blaming U.S. for Iran shooting down Ukrainian Airlines flight. Says he's, quote, going nowhere. So that's what Trump's response is. But I want to read you this tweet. Uh, Pete Buttigieg on, when was this? On, on January 9th actually forwarded the breaking news from CBS News Special Report. Major Garrett reporting that the uh, that that a that the uh, airline had been shot down. Pete Buttigieg says this. I think this is absolutely one hundred percent unequivocally wrong for reasons that I laid out last segment. This is what Pete Buttigieg says: Innocent civilians are now dead because now I can agree with that part. Innocent civilians are now dead because. They were caught in the middle of an unnecessary and unwanted military tit for tat. My thoughts are with the families and loved ones on all of all 176 souls lost aboard this flight. 
he's right that innocent civilians are now dead. It's just the the thinking of the words that follow the word because are very misguided. This is because Pete Buttigieg, who, by the way, served in the military. Appreciate his service, I do. But this is, he's wrong on this. He's wrong. The reason that they're dead is not because they were caught in the middle of a tit-for-tat. The United States does not bear responsibility for what happened here. Iran cannot act provocatively with no consequence, killing American military personnel whenever they feel like it, and then the United States responds, taking out the person responsible. Then the Iranians, putting a security blanket between them and the American military, which is involves, which involves innocent civilians. That's what this was about. They didn't clear their airspace. They wanted to make a response by our government, military response, after they fired the missiles. They wanted it to be as complicated and as difficult as possible. That's why the airspace wasn't cleared. Their folks were on high alert. They made a mistake. They shot down a jetliner that had primarily Canadian and Iranians on board. And somehow, somehow Buttigieg finds us responsible. And it's Jackie uh, Speer, Spire, S-P-E-I-E-R, representative from California, who also says that this is collateral damage from Trump's strike against Soleimani. Incredible stuff. It's just not... Not based in reality, based in politics, maybe. Uh, maybe this gives him something. We have a debate tomorrow night. Boy, I've got stuff to. I got stuff that I wanted to get to today, including an email I got from Joe Biden's dog. That's the truth. Joe Biden's dog emailed me. That's what the email said. I'm just telling you. Can't get into that. Of course, I was thinking out of all the people in Joe's family to send out an email, they couldn't send one from Hunter. The dog was probably the best, the next best bet. Actually, he might be the first best bet. I get emails from Biden. They're incoherent. I don't know what the guy, the guy's begging me for money. All these sorts of things. I had to take a break. Long in this segment, got to wrap up here. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. not believe that I was getting an email from Joe Biden's dog. The dog's name is Major. I'm going to read you the email. This is the stupidest thing I've seen in quite some time. Woof. Woof, woof, rough, rough, woof. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. I forgot most of you don't speak canine. I'm writing to you because, I'm writing to you because, sorry, here, gotta, here we go. Because uh, my dad, Joe Biden, he's running for president, you know. Uh, has a really big day coming up in just three weeks. Something about a caucus. I don't know what it is, but sounds pretty important. Dad spends a lot of time away from home working to win this caucus, and I miss him a lot. But folks, this is the modern Democrat Party political handbook, by the way. This is what politics looks like in the 21st century. I've got to go. Uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. SDG. Take care.